Hello lovely podcast people. This podcast is super off the cuff. Uh, it's come from a question I received this morning and it's a common question I get, you know, that I've got many, many, many times over the years. And for some reason, I, you know, I instantly just thought, you know what, this would be worthwhile, a little discussion on the podcast, because I genuinely feel like there's an element of talking about this that could help lots of you, or at least, unfortunately, I'm not going to give you some direct, easy answers, but, you know, as with anything, this podcast isn't necessarily easy listening other than the jokes. It does force you to think a bit deeper. It doesn't give you exact answers of, you know, just blend up this celery juice and it will cure your, I mean, yeah, I was going to say cancer there. It's a bit morbid, isn't it, that it's so horrific that people are saying stuff like this. There's some new freak on the internet, some juice guy. I've not looked into it, but all the memes are coming out. Some juice weirdo who's saying that he, um, you know, that he can cure cancer with some juice that he's selling. Again, this 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 stuff has happened before. Uh, fortunately, one guy I think was fined maybe a hundred million dollars and maybe had to serve some jail time. And he and he killed people. His advice killed people. He was one of these alkaline diet gimps, as I call them. And uh, he was telling them that he, they should stop their traditional therapy. They should go to his clinic. This is off topic, isn't it? Uh, it's a bit morbid. It's horrible, but. I hope that some of you listening will realize that this is why the evidence-based movement is so, so important. And this is why opinions don't matter and don't count. And you're not entitled to ha to make up your own facts. They're saying you're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. And when you start stating your opinions or, you know, even just the way you eat or oh, I eat an alkaline diet, fine, do it. But no one cares and no one asked. So... Anyway, he was telling them that he would make their body alkaline, it would kill the cancer, and then they would be healed, and then they died. And these people were selling their homes to pay f to go to his retreat thingy, paying him many, many, many thousands of dollars, I believe. Anyway, and then he complained he'd been fined too much, the fact that he'd killed someone. It's disgusting. Uh, anyway, off topic, where was I? Deep thinking. Gimp with the... Uh, juices and stuff. Oh my goodness, how did I get there? Helping you with advice. My goodness. Anyway, the point of this podcast, the topic is giving advice to friends. And yeah, this, this, I suppose, yeah, this is where it's come from, is people seeing stuff on the internet. This, this individual this morning messaged me about a family member who was being taken in by some very bad advice for an ailment that they have, you know, relatively serious, but not necessarily immediately life-threatening uh, as is the case in some of the stuff I just said there and essentially it was like how do I explain this you know I have good knowledge uh, I can t you know talk about nutrition and fitness and stuff I've got some basic understanding they didn't say this exactly but even if you have some basic understanding of science or research methodology or anything and their, their thing was, I'm reaching out to you, Martin, because I need to get across to them that this isn't going to work and it's a waste of their time and, and X, Y, Z. And, uh, you know, even with my current knowledge, it seems I haven't been able to deb debunk this well enough to make them listen. And that is the crux of this podcast. Working with family members, even in a professional capacity, 
I advise many, many people or, you know, MNU students, people I mentor within our Mac Nutrition Mentoring Lab to, as much as possible, steer clear from working with family. Unfortunately, sometimes those are the ones we want to help, but there's a difference also with wanting to help someone and working with someone. So if a, if a close friend, I mean, lots of, you know, close friends, family, oh, can you just give me some advice on this? And then the notorious thing that I get told by professionals is, well, they just don't listen to me. Well, for a start, very often people don't apply free advice. They don't value it because it's free and it's an unfortunate thing. I feel like I've said this before, actually. My free content online is life-changing and it has changed many lives. But for instance, my, some of the information that I put on PCOS that's now huge in the industry and everyone's following and you know now copying, uh, until I put a price on it, and then you know you know my my talk my PCOS talk was forty five pounds. It's always just sat on the website. It's just sat there. It's not something I push as a as a particular product. Uh, I don't really push, it, push any products. But um, I then sort of got to a point where I thought, you know, the, the industry needs to hear this. This can really, really change lives. How can I get people to listen? And then I obviously teamed up with Verity, the PCOS charity, and then made it two pounds. And thousands of people then ended up buying this talk that was already there and available. Now, I don't think for life-changing advice, 45 pounds really isn't that much. You know what I will do? Just because I'm talking about it, what shall I do? If you go to my Instagram and you click the link in my bio, I will put there a link to the PCOS talk. And um, I'm, I said this to my staff, and maybe this is already happening like internally, if anyone ever emails us and says, you know, where's that PCOS talk? Can I get hold of it? It's still there, but it's 45 pounds. Uh, but I've said to them, just give it to people for 10 pounds. I don't, you know, I don't want people paying full price for it sort of thing. Uh, you know, 45 pounds isn't going to be a game changer for me uh, in terms of uh, a product that I never push and so therefore have it for £10 just because again I feel like making people pay that small amount will just get them to flip in actually watch it and implement it. Anyway where was I? Go to my link in the bio in my Instagram click it you will find a link to the PCOS talk and uh, it will be £10 instead of 45 Right where was I? Talking to friends. Here, here's the deal if you are the one taking the first step to help someone, it is highly likely it's going to be ignored. It is almost certain it will be ignored if you are contradicting their current status quo or their current belief. There's this technique called motivational interviewing, which is fantastic in many settings where so it's used regularly in things like smoking cessation and maybe overconsumption of alcohol alcoholism where realistically um the old school medical method is this is wrong with you you need to do this go and take these tablets go and change this lifestyle habit done but that person doesn't want to they don't want to quit smoking they don't want to they're not coming to that clinic to be told stop doing something that they, that's a habit that they enjoy even. I say clinic, whatever, doctor's appointment, wherever. So motivational interviewing is a different technique to essentially try and elicit an individual's own motivations. So getting them to come up with ideas and reasons. 
of why it would be beneficial for them to do that. And it's not like, right, let's sit down. It's not done in a boring way. It's essentially someone coming and saying, you know, I've got this horrible cough, for instance. And then it's a case, well, it's smoking. Well, can you give me something for the cough? And not going, it's not done in, I want to say a babyish way of like, right, everyone, let's come up with reasons that we should do more steps each day and whatever. It's a discussion. It's a conversation. But not doing certain things, which is what you will naturally do as a husband, wife, sibling, daughter, son, uh, mother, father. You shouldn't do that because, well, you should stop. Well, if that's happening, then just do this. In motivational interviewing, that's called the writing reflex. And it, what it does is it almost every time causes someone to do defend their status quo. It puts them in defensive mode rather than a proactive situation. Instantly they start wanting to defend. But I like XYZ, but I don't have time to do those steps. But I, what am I going to do to socialise at the pub, etc, etc. You know, rather than um, coming up with reasons that they are empowered to do so, that they are the master of their own destiny, that they are able to change things, that they want to be able to look a certain way or feel a certain way or play with their children or be fit enough to do certain things, etc, etc. And in some situations, one thing I do want to touch on is desperation as well. In this instance of this person asking me the question today, there was a level of desperation. And people will believe silly things in times of desperation and it's why people prey on those people because it's an easy target to make money, unfortunately. It's horrible, but it's the world we live in, unfortunately. So likewise, if that person is in desperation and they're believing something silly because they want to give themselves hope, you are again the bearer of bad news. You are coming in and you are crushing hope. You're not, they don't see you the way you see your actions. They don't see you stepping in and going, no, don't believe that. There's better things you can do. Or often is the case, you know, in really horrible situations where there's almost nothing you can do. In, In certain things, fibromyalgia comes up a lot in the mentoring lab and nutrition around fibromyalgia. Uh, Obviously, a really, really, really difficult thing for people to live with every day of their life. And people get desperate. And people start looking for cures and potions, alternative therapies, because the medical system essentially... I don't want to say fails them, but that's how they feel. It fails them because it's not cured them or given them, you know, so often people just want to feel heard. I'm trying to think. We we have a one of our graduates working with someone. And I can't remember, sorry, what the exact thing is. But nutri- the, the impact of nutrition in this situation, it, it might be a neurodegenerative disease. That does ring a bell. Anyway, one of my comments was what you can give this person that their early early stages of this thing is and they want to change that motivational interviewing is often used when people aren't at a stage of the sort of readiness to change where they're really actually being proactive. But this person is at a stage they want to change. They are motivated. They want to do things. And so I've said, 
you know, one thing, just making them feel heard, help, giving them that thing of like, you want to help and you will do, you know, whatever is in your power to help is really useful and it will help that person they can feel better about life and in themselves and physically and mentally they will feel better through good nutrition we know those things happen but it might not tackle the exact disease state that we're discussing um and it might not have hugely profound impact but it you know over the next 10 20 30 years of their life it it very well might have a small impact. It's just not going to stop it or reverse it completely. <clears throat> now, the problem is, is in, uh, <clears throat> and this is really the crux of what we're talking about here, is with children. Uh, and there's, with, with, sorry, I'll finish my sentence before I jump ahead. With children, with family members, with parents, people wanting, you know, I really want to, Get my dad to realize that the reason he feels that way or get my dad to realize he's going to die sooner because he's doing X, Y, Z. You know, I'm sort of recounting conversations I've had with people that are difficult. And the the thing I would say, uh, sorry, and then so I'll jump onto what I was saying about like with children. There's research that shows if you give more praise, like they eat it and you're like, well done, that's really good. Oh, was it yummy? This, They are less likely to eat that thing again. They are less, uh, that that positive reinforcement is not having reinforcing um, outcomes on the child. Uh, and it's a tricky one because you think, well, being a, being a cheerleader, that's another thing actually within motivational interviewing. Don't, don't be a cheerleader all the time, understanding when that's appropriate and when it's not. Uh, because it can lead to shame and avoidance when they fail and therefore they're going to let you down. Uh, very, you know, humans are very complex, aren't they? It's, uh, you know, I don't think a psychology degree really is ever preparing someone to be a great counsellor or psychologist. It's the clinical training, it's the further study, it's the... Um, working with mentors and as a nutritionist and this is something that we push hugely is is the stuff like the motivational interviewing the consultation techniques this is why we are creating amazing graduates because we teach them they the real science of nutrition the things that really work the guiding principles that actually lead to outcomes that people are after not a macro split is not going to make any difference or some crazy clever ratio or carb cycling that other nutrition courses are teaching and rubbish like that um we teach the underpin underpinning science and and what needs to happen to lead to an outcome and then we hone in on the behavior change of what or, or or even actually the methods used to that can you know whether that's the habits around their foods or the way that meals are constructed or the you know changing in macronutrients or the changing in a food that leads to the change in the macronutrients that leads to the physiological effect that we're trying to have but then how to actually get people to do those things so the behavior change the psychology the consultation technique the the discussion you know when i say that stuff out loud i'm like flipping heck our course is really flipping good uh and then how to get clients and the business stuff but anyway off topic so in these instances with family members uh you know i talked about children there with family members and even with potential clients or clients or people you know who have you know friends sometimes 
not fighting them is the best thing you can do because if you have to play the long game sometimes you have to let the friend or client or family member fail ra rather than fighting them on a topic so i said to this person who contacted me today i'm sorry i'm not going to give you a great answer because i'm going to tell you there's nothing you can do necessarily uh, i've said before on this podcast no amount of science is going to change someone's feelings on their experience so if i have experienced something in life i've had some epiphany i've had some higher body being or out of body experience no science is going to change what i felt and again other things of you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care is another great thing to remind yourself once someone knows the place that you're coming from with giving them some advice this like this is in friendships and relationships as well completely outside of nutrition you know if someone understands that the advice you're giving them or, or the stuff that you're saying is coming from a good place to want to help them to yeah it it just is received in a totally different way so if someone is doing something if someone comes to you and asks your advice on something you have to be able to read between the lines and read the situation i have situation martin what do you think of this okay it's not evidence based it's it's made up you can you know you can see that they're not maybe go to them and ask them for a reference of what this based on but you know i can tell you and then they'll come back to me and say but i actually hate the word but and i make my staff not start sentences with but because it's an it doesn't give off the right message um it shows almost a lack of teachability uh and and it also if they start a sentence with but have they really considered like listening to hear rather than listening to respond uh they just want to get their point of view across rather than listening and understanding and going ah yeah i get that uh, and then if you know and if they go but have you considered whereas sometimes it's just but what about and instantly it's just trying to not hearing the other person so if someone comes back to me and says but how can they be saying this you know but why are people getting such great results immediately i understand i can't go in and be overconfident or arrogant in my response i don't know if arrogant is quite the right word Sh sure because i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily do it in an arrogant way or in a pig-headed way but i can't do it in a way of like dismissive if someone goes to me martin what do you think of this and i'm like absolute crap and they go thanks man just wanted to double check that's what i thought cool like end of story you know if someone goes hi martin you know i had this the other day so, you know my trainer said this or someone said this you know what do you think and i was like i just literally said lol at, you know whatever and, and they said i just wanted to ask the oracle like if someone calls you the oracle you believe in it right like whatever comes out of my mouth they're taken as gold uh and i don't abuse that but it but it is the sense of like all they want is just reinforcement they've questioned it themselves they want the reinforcement but when you're with a family member when you're with someone who's just they've been taken up on something there is virtually no point in attacking it in trying to change their mind and this is the advice i want to give to those of you who want to help family members like just going we'll watch this video by martin mcdonald we'll lis listen to this podcast they're not going to they're not going to spend 40 minutes of their time wasting listening to someone who's telling them that they're wrong they don't know me from adam they don't know me from a bar of soap 
one of my an MNU graduate who I'm quite close with said that to me the other day I don't know him from a bar of soap I was like I've never heard that phrase before so they're not you're not going to convince them in the same way that when a vegan goes well watch this YouTube video we'll watch this Netflix film and it'll change your mind and this is why I do love the position that I'm in because if I'm doing I remember doing a Facebook live once and I talked about the difficult subject of females who have lost their menstrual cycle when they've dieted for a bikini competition or a photo shoot and and time and time again I hear people saying you know I've regained weight I've put on some body fat and it's still not come back and I'm really screwed and I'm waiting and I don't know what to do and I need what supplements this that and the other and when I talk to individuals about this it's really difficult for me to say to them you're still being restrictive you're still pushing your body into a state where it doesn't want your menstrual cycle to come back you are still a bit too obsessed with your food and your body fat and your body weight it's difficult and I have those conversations and sometimes they go well often they go well but but sometimes they do don't hit home for them to actually take action however on a Facebook live I can be a bit more blasé, no one feels attacked because I'm talking to the audience and I go, look, women, you don't like to hear this. Fitness competitors, you don't like to hear this. But you need to get fatter, you need to up your calories significantly. Very often what you're doing is you are over, you are still over-exercising and you are still under-eating. And just because you've put on a few kilograms post-show and even you might almost be back to where you were before, you need to go up. And there are other things you need to consider. If your period hasn't come back, the standard advice is make sure you just go and see your doctor, right? Doctors are often absolutely rubbish and I hear that and I understand that females who have dealt with the medical system. Some aren't, some are, I get that. But at least going if you've got any other symptoms because there are other serious reasons that the menstrual cycle might have stopped, lost your period. So that's the standard advice. But I get it, like they're not always that helpful and they don't always listen and that's a different discussion but you know me being able to just go look you're you're still kind of cray around food and I can't say that directly to their face because they feel attacked and I'm saying it from a place of love and a place of help and a place of I know my stuff you need to listen to me but it's this situation we're discussing in this podcast unless someone's coming to me and asking my advice and often someone will come and ask my advice but they do want me to tell them what they want to hear and they'll set their question up in that way or they're coming to ask me about what supplement they should take but they don't want me to say get fatter because they are scared of that and because they don't want their body to be that way but unfortunately if they want their period for whatever reason is they want it they might need to stop obsessing over calories and they might need to exercise a bit less just to let the body start functioning the way it is again and it's not to say that they're destined and to be that way like I have worked with many many athletes who have been able to maintain their menstrual function at a very different you know what we'll call settling point of body fat uh, and whilst training hard but it does take time and uh, for you not to absolutely destroy your body into a state um, 
where your menstrual cycle stops. But it might just be that if you want your menstrual cycle to have a baby, whatever, you can't look the way that your sponsor wants you to look or your you feel comfortable in whatever situation. And there's other things you can work on there, obviously. But these are the cold hard facts. And so me being able to say this stuff on the Instagram lab, and I literally had people after it, uh, sorry, it wasn't Instagram, it was Facebook, messaging me and going, I really needed to hear this. Like, and and the, the difference in the reaction of them, me not talking to them, them not feeling attacked by me, it's a nice privileged position. The same with this podcast. Maybe some people will hear this and go, maybe this is me. Anyway, so it's cool. And so here's the, here's the other thing is, very often, this is why you, I, I'm using almost this terminology, like don't look, you're not looking at your friend, you're not looking at your family, you're not looking at your client, but, and sometimes family will just never trust you. Like my mum my still thinks she knows more than me on nutrition, right? She's teaching me nutrition. She's, <laughs> I just, the stuff she goes out with is unbelievable. Um, yeah, drinking tea, so it absorbs some of the calories from the chocolate you eat and that's how you, like it's just mind-blowing but being the expert this is another thing we discussed within the case studies re residential the full with honors course of malnutrition uni is you need to you position yourself not at them not in an arrogant way not in a fake it till you make it way but you are the consultant you are the oracle you are the person with all the knowledge i'm not if you don't want my advice don't take it that's fine I will talk to these people. I will present to these 30 people who have come to my talk to listen to my advice. And then your family member your wife, sees that and it's like, you know, other people are listening to them. This, you know, we, I, we call it social proof. Um, is helpful for getting people to, okay, this person may know what they're talking about. You know, and again, that can be abused, of course. But uh, I want good people to at least be using these things so that people understand that, yeah, they are the expert. They are the consultant. They are the one with the knowledge. So, yeah, I don't. Uh, and so some final advice is in this situation, it's, it's very much how the discussion goes. It's tone of voice. It's you need to take a step back and really act with empathy, which sucks. Well, there's a saying actually, the highest form of knowledge is empathy because you have to, can't remember, put yourself in someone else's shoes or something. But anyway, it, I remember when I read it, I was like, it's, it's true in that being able to act with empathy, being able to act almost in someone else's mind and thoughts and feelings is much more, shows much more intelligence than just knowing some facts and blurting them out. So having a discussion in this situation, it's like, look, I get it that your ailment, I don't want to say what the ailment is because I don't want to necessarily give this person's situation away in case, whatever. I mean, there's, there could be thousands, the number of people who contact me, it could be anyone, but anyway, I'm being careful for some reason. I don't know why I'm not always. I get that the, your ailment is you're really struggling with. I am really happy to go and learn or I already know this information around it I can look into that thing I uh, you know I get that you maybe have been taken on by it and you know what I, I it really isn't correct I've looked into this I've even done a bit of research for you um I'm not going to attack you about it I'm not saying this is how you talk exactly but I'm just giving you the feelings behind what you should you should be saying 
and I'll walk the journey with you and I'll be because at the end of the day if something doesn't work they fail and you want them not to feel judged they want you you this is it right you need to not be the person that they feel like is going to go I told you so because I told you so is the worst feeling for someone you want to help long term because if they think the response they're going to get from you when they fail is I told you so you've lost if you genuinely want to help them, you need to them to feel safe that when they fail, they go, they come to you and they go, you were right. And you go, I'm really glad that you found that out yourself. I'd love to be able to find stuff for you that does work. And the next time something comes up, and some people, I get it, they're exasperating because they're onto the next crazy thing. But, you know, I... The word love's funny, isn't it, when you use it in the sort of science sense, but but we all get it. Love and empathy and whatever. Like in this situation of a friend, a family member, that the thing you you should be acting on is love. And if and also take a step back, self-reflection, is that really what you're acting on? Is it really love? Or is it just annoyance? You're fed up of them, they've been like this all their life. And if that is it, you're not gonna work. Like all you're doing is annoying yourself just step out of this situation it's not making your life any better if you want to do something if you truly want to help if that genuinely is your motivation then then start acting with love and it'll it'll change your actions anyway start acting with empathy you're not going to convince them if it becomes a discussion an argument a head-to-head it's not how these things work uh cool i've enjoyed that i really really hope there's some food for thought for you for some for, for both practitioners who work with clients but also those of you who are just health nuts who listen to my podcast enjoy it when you maybe are talking to friends and family members and, and sons and daughters and mums and dads uh and not that they're not family members but but like it's a big topic and i i, I want to tackle it at some point but it's i've it's almost one like I'd I'd more I'd I'd rather talk about cancer and nutrition, which is obviously very serious, than really exactly how parents sh- should exactly be talking to their children about food and children that you know are being told that they're overweight and obese at school and these kind of things. You know, I've started to get a load of messages from people saying that just because recently with the whole Boris thing and we're going to start weighing children because blah blah blah, like it's horrific. I really, 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 really do not stand by um the way it's implemented but we're in an imperfect world people like nutrition should be taught in schools brilliant who's gonna teach it because most people are morons uh even people who are sort of evidence-based like oh you know i've you know been reading about nutrition i know that carbs aren't gonna make you fat this and the other but when you're just talking about nutrition like more the best thing for most people is to not talk about it that would be the best thing don't discuss nutrition don't you know i don't i don't want i've not taught my child that they're obese you know the bmi is obese or that they're overweight um you know, and I, I don't really know what to do, but, you know, the best, you know, wh- what I've done is I've just talked to them about calories. And I'm like, oh, and, and it's difficult for me because I don't want them to feel judged. But don't. Like, as a nutritionist, someone who has dedicated their whole life to nutrition, I have never talked about calories with my children. And I hopefully, I mean, I'm sure I'll have to because some other idiot will. <laughs> 
not naming any names of someone who might share their DNA. But, you know, I, unfortunately, I'm not the only person who's impacting my children. Schools are, other people are, other children are, whatever. And so I might have to then, it, unfortunately, do the best of a bad of bad options i would rather never have to discuss those things um but really i I think many people don't don't start talking to your kids about calories they kids don't need to know about calories change their environment change your habits don't talk about your body your weight oh i'm you know it's something i do want to talk about because i sort of feel led to um and i feel like who's better to do it than me um i I mean actually there are better people to do it than me but maybe they don't have podcasts for instance um and maybe uh, you know i don't really intend to have guests because it's just adding to my workload and this is something obviously i just do in my (laughs) quote-unquote spare time but anyway yeah i'll finish on this like about children if you become concerned about your child's weight don't start talking to them about it like society will tell them they're overweight and they you need to be not that you need to be the safe place you need to be the person who doesn't see them for that and doesn't start talking to them about that and doesn't start moaning at them to eat more vegetables you just need to be the person who provides space for them to be active that provides a lifestyle that is active that they're not constantly bombarded by an environment that's full of junk food that you're not constantly eating junk food in front of them and not eating your vegetables and they're copying you, etc., etc., And that they don't end up with shame around food and they don't end up feeling like they need to hide stuff from you or, or etc. Anyway, flip a neck, deep, right? Not, not as much humour in this podcast as usual, but I hope this is the kind of crap I want to talk about. Deep stuff, meaningful stuff that changes the world in the teeny tiny way that I can. Right, much love. Until next time, take care.